anyone claiming that America's economy is in decline is peddling fiction. I've abandoned free market principles to save the free market system. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Raising the debt ceiling does not increase our debt. It does not somehow promote profligacy. I know words. I have the best words. Nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Peddling Fiction. I, of course, am your host, the voice and soul, the purveyor of so-called fiction, Johnny Profita. Hope everyone's doing well today. It's Saturday. I pushed back this episode one day because I waited until April 15th to do the special tax day anniversary episode, so... Figured I'd give everybody a few days to catch up on things and, you know, take a, take a Friday afternoon off from being quarantined. It's now, um, and I've, I've been quarantined, basically self-quarantined for more than a month now. And I, I think the last time I, I really went out and did something, like I went grocery shopping in early May, and I podcasted that day. It was probably like May 9th or 10th or something like that. And I haven't, I haven't been out uh, since very much. I've gone, I, I've run to Walgreens a few times to, to restock my wine supply. And um, I, I, funny enough, I had one of those delivery services where I was getting a case of wine, and I, I planned on canceling it. And I figured I had, you know, they usually send you like a, a case every couple of months or something like that. Well, when I signed up for it, they defaulted to a case every month. And this was in early December of last year. And so I got a case right around uh, just before Christmas, I think. And, you know, it was the holidays and I was in Milwaukee. So I went back. I, by the time I got it, it was after Christmas. It was almost New Year's. And, oh no, sorry, let me back up. So I got a case in like the middle of December. And then they sent me another case right around Christmas, which I didn't get. I didn't pick up until um, right after Christmas. And and I was like, uh, oh, okay, I wasn't expecting it. Uh, I wasn't expecting it that soon. But then January 1st rolled around. And, you know, you're always, you have these holidays and everything, so these packages come, and I'm not always around to pick them up. And then I I, uh, I I go down, like, January 3rd or something like that, and I had another case of wine. So they sent me three cases of wine in, like, a two-and-a-half-week period. <laughs> and I, it just, I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. And they were, you know, it was kind of expensive wine. I, they were, it came out to, like, $25 a bottle or something like that, and, you know... I just don't really care about the wine that much. You know, I can't tell. And people are always surprised by this because, I, you know, I cook a lot and I have a somewhat sophisticated palate, if I do say so myself. And people are always surprised that I'm not like this wine snob, that I'm perfectly happy with a $10, $12 bottle of wine 
than I am equally as happy as when I have one that's like 25 or 30 or $50. I got I can't really tell the difference that much to me. It's negligible. There's not a lot of wines, especially like red wines, you know, that I won't drink. Um, and, and so I was like, this is just getting ridiculous. You, you guys have, I only wanted a case like a once every quarter and you just sent me a year's worth in two and a half weeks. So I, I shut that off and then we go into lockdown and now I'm, I'm low on wine and having to ration. <laughs> but, uh, um, so I, I signed up for another one and, um, I'm thinking about signing up for a second one. Yeah. I keep getting these like, Oh, we want you back. Come, come order some more wine for, here's like a $150 voucher. So I usually do that and then I just cancel it. <laughs> and then every couple of months they send me another one. I just keep doing that. Pretty good plan. I don't know how those business models work for any of these companies. I, I think a lot of these companies are, are going to be the ones that, that go under when this bubble officially pops. But, um, forgot what started this whole oh yeah so i haven't really gone out since since early early march and um you know it's getting to be i don't know how much longer they can keep this up and i'm starting to see a lot more people when i like go out on my balcony or something like that i'm seeing a lot more people outside a lot more cars a couple weeks ago like it was eerily empty especially at night like there was just nothing and i remember seeing like one idiot sitting at a red light like why are you stopped at a red light there is no traffic there is nothing there's no they're not enforcing red light cameras right now you're not going to get pulled over it was the middle of the night just drive through it man just drive through that red light feel how liberating that is but i just don't see how much longer they can keep all this going and how much longer people are going to voluntarily abide by all this especially when the weather starts to turn, I, I mean, it's still pretty shitty here in Chicago. Surprise, surprise. It snowed yesterday. <laughs> we got some uh, mid-April snow and not a lot, just some some flurry, like the worst kind of snow, you know, where it's like really wet and, and gross. I, I think the Eskimos have like four different words for snow. And I always wondered, I always meant to look them up to, to see what they were because I know the, the different types of snow they're talking about since I live in Chicago and I'm so familiar with goddamn snow. But I, I want to know what the words are to describe it. And um, I always wondered why we didn't have such a descriptive language like that. But anyway, um, as far as things over here are concerned, behind enemy lines and in, in the Windy City, like I said, the weather still sucks, but it looks like it might be turning pretty soon. Uh, my neighbor's apartment still beeping, so I got that going for me. And, um, oh, if you thought the shelf saga was over, you were mistaken. For those of you who have been listening for a few months, I think this dates back to late January, early February, where I tried to get a shelf delivered via the United States Postal Service. You know, the one that we must come to the rescue and bail out because, oh my God, what would life look like without mail delivery from the federal government? I mean, who would deliver all these bills to us, our, our tax bills? I got a census thing in the mail the other day. And then who would fail to deliver a shelf twice, have the order canceled each time, and then like a month later, give you the two shelves? 
and then claim that they delivered it. And so the other day, you know, I'm going through my uh, credit card state. I was looking for um, charges on my credit card for when I booked all this Italy stuff, which I'm now trying to undo because, you know, can't go to Italy anymore. And I'm totally going to get fucked on this uh, Tuscan villa. It looks like best case scenario. We're going to be out about two grand, a two grand deposit on that. Um, anyway, uh, that, that really grinds my gears. But so I was looking for all these charges to, to figure out like what I had been charged for, what I had been refunded for. And I, I noticed these two Amazon charges on my card for about the cost of the shelf. And I was trying to figure out if like my card had been compromised or somebody else on the Amazon account like accidentally bought something. But I was like, why would it be the exact same amount twice? And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, uh, they're charging me for the fucking shelves that got delivered uh, a month ago. <laughs> and, you know, right before we went into lockdown, I got these two shelves and I haven't sent them back to Amazon, which I'm not going to fucking do. They can come get them if they want but I am not going to schlep these things to God knows where to get them to pick them up. But they're, they're charging me for not re uh, returning the shelves that they refunded. And if you guys remember this, it was not like an order that I received that I then returned. No, no, I canceled that order. I canceled the first one on the advice of Amazon, and then I ordered it again, and when the U, uh, United States Postal Service failed to deliver that, I canceled that order. So these were never supposed to be delivered in the first place, and now they're trying to charge me for not returning them, and that is nonsense. So I had to get on the uh, the old horn again with Amazon, and they I mean, they're, they're, they're so easy to deal with. It's just a fucking pleasure. I was like, yeah, you guys uh, just charged me twice for these shelves from an order that I canceled. And they're like, all right, we'll refund it. And then they did. And and I was like, all right, but I just want to make sure that like a month from now, you guys aren't going to do this again because you're expecting these shelves back that you're never going to get. And they've assured me that that won't happen. So we'll see. We'll see. It's definitely better dealing with Amazon than the United States Postal Service. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. And it just... It's unbelievable to me the amount of people that are coming to the rescue, that want to come to the rescue of the United States Postal Service. Like, who the fuck cares? Who needs these people? This is, a, this is an antiquated, unnecessary service that's costing us a bloody fortune. They lose billions of dollars every year. And their, their pensions are underfunded. Like, this is a complete disaster. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Trump got a question about the United States Postal Service uh, during his, uh, his daily uh, coronavirus briefings. And he had just a great, what was his response to it? It was hilarious. He's like, oh, please, come on. They've been losing billions of dollars every year. This has nothing to do with me. <laughs> something along those lines. And it was, a, it was one of his better answers. But who the hell needs the Postal Service? The only reason they, they still operate the way that they do is because it's illegal for the government has made it illegal for any other uh, company to go into business delivering, you know, like certified mail or whatever it is, overnight mail, like actual mail. So, I mean, we, we totally if there's one thing that we could cut during this pandemic, right, it would be the Postal Service. I mean. 
have you has anybody heard of any government officials government jobs going away during this have they cut anything has anybody been fired have any departments been reduced whatsoever because i got i'm seeing the unemployment numbers for the private sector we're now at about 22 million people minimum that we know of who have filed for unemployment insurance over the last three weeks Uh, okay so what about the government What about the people whose existence depends on people in the private sector funding them? Why aren't we cutting government services? Why aren't we getting rid of entire departments that are unnecessary, like permanently getting rid of them? Oh, oh yeah, because it's the government and, you know, (laughs) they, they never get rid of anything. We still have everything that ever comes into existence. Once a bureaucracy is created, it never goes away. I mean, we still have the Bureau of Weights and Measures. <laughs> well, how, how much longer do we need to come up with the weights and measures of everything? I mean, uh, okay, what do they do over there every day? Why do we need them? I mean, this is just insane. All of these departments, all of these people, none of them are ever fired. They're getting paid to not work. They're, we're paying them to not work. And if there was ever a non-essential function, in in the, in the world, it would be a government employee. And there has to be millions of them. And I'm sorry if you're a government employee, but, you know, we don't need you. You're, you're an actual drain on our resources. By definition, you're not doing anything productive. And I, I think the least that we could do, you know, I talked on the last episode, the least all of these like governors and and um, representatives could do is not take a paycheck during all of this when they're asking everybody else, they're forcing everybody else not to work. The, the, le- the other thing that they could do is uh, before you start like forcing private sector workers to not go to work and, and deeming them non-essential, how about deeming the real non-essential workers as non-essential and getting them out of Dodge, ha- having them go on, on the, Unemployment. I mean, what's the difference between paying them with unemployment and paying them with tax revenue? I mean, it's the same. It's all coming from the same source. It's coming from you and me. So, I, I mean, either way, we're paying them not to work. I'd rather have them just temporarily paid not to work than permanently paid not to work. And then once, you know, things go back to normal, if that ever happens, then, of course, you know, they get their... They, they start working again, and then they have their pension. We're, we're, we're propping these people up for the rest of their lives. It, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's a horrible system. I have no idea what started me on that jag, but, um, yeah, I might be starting to lose my mind. I, I've just been sitting by myself <laughs> in my condo for a month now, so I, I, I don't know. I apologize if I, I just come across as a psychopath now. But, uh, oh, yeah, so the shelves... United States Postal Service. The other thing that's been driving me crazy is my building has come up with, I live in a condo, so we have this condo association, and I cannot recommend not living in a condo enough. I hate this association. And, you know, I voluntarily did, you know, I made this bed. I I have to, to sleep in it. And, you know, this isn't the first time you guys have heard me complain about them. But they came up with this policy for deliveries, okay? And, you know, we have a doorman, not the same one, but we have like two or three, uh, probably three or four actually, that sort of rotate. And they, they work part-time, like during peak hours, during business hours, they're there. 
on Saturday night. They're there um, Saturday during the day. I don't think I hope they're not during uh, down there right now because I just ordered some food. And what, what's driving me crazy is they decided a few weeks ago that they're no longer going to allow delivery men past the lobby. So, you know, all of this delivery where they could just come and leave it at your door, those days are gone. So now the delivery guy comes in, interacts with the doorman, gives the door the, the doorman uh, the food, and then the doorman has to, like, call me and say, hey, you know, like, your food's down here. Come and get it. And then I have to go down. I have to break my quarantine, go down, touch a bunch of fucking doorknobs and elevators and all this stuff, and then interact with the doorman who's been interacting with a million other people. Uh, all day and then and get the food and then come back up and then i have to like sanitize myself right (laughs) like this is their plan this is their plan to help uh stop the spread of covid19 is that instead of having one guy come in through the building and drop the food at your door and interact with nobody right their plan is to have everybody in the building coming down downstairs constantly like 10 times more often than they would need to Uh, this is fucking brilliant I wonder if they consulted the the state on that on that policy because it's as retarded as something that you would get from your local or federal government. So that's been driving me crazy. I've been trying to time my food deliveries now so that they come when there's no doorman present. That's the other thing. It doesn't work when there's no doorman. So it's just like we're getting both now because if there's no doorman there, then I just buzz the guy up and he comes to my door. So what are we doing here? This is the dumbest goddamn thing ever. Um, so that's been really grinding my gears because I don't like to have to. Like, I've gotten pretty used to not putting on pants. <laughs> now I got to get all dressed up to go down and pick up my food. And uh, and then I have to like come up and, and wash everything. And I don't know. This whole thing's just getting ridiculous. And it, it's being I mean, it turns out at least based on the numbers that we're seeing now, that this was all blown way out of proportion. You know, we're, we're starting, it looks like we're through the worst of this, and every single projection was, surprise, surprise, way off, way, way off. Remember a few weeks ago when they were saying, oh, we, 2 million people are going to die of this on the high end? On the low end, it was like a, a couple hundred thousand. Okay, now it looks like we're at about 30,000 that we've peaked, you know, we're starting to to come down now and it's looking like maybe 60,000 people are going to die as a result of this, which is not nearly as bad as anybody was, was telling us anybody in the media, anybody in the government, all of these government models, which I mean, look at their uh, track record with um, climate change, right? Why, why we believe these models at this point is beyond me. But, okay, so 60,000 people, and that's, you know, that's nothing to scoff at. I know these are real people, and these could be people that you or I know. Um, I I don't know. I still don't know to this day anybody that's been confirmed to actually have had this, thankfully. And thankfully, I don't know anybody that's um, died from it. But I, I do know, um, you know, people that are like once removed, uh, a, a friend of a friend or a relative of somebody I work with has passed away from this. And that's sad. And I, and I don't want to come across as callous or, uh, you know, like I don't care that people are dying. But, you know, we do have to come 
to the, you know, we have to face the fact that we make these sorts of value judgments every day in life. And 60,000 in, you know, that's like a bad flu season in the United States. And so if we're going to, like, if we're going to shut down the entire country for months and we don't even know, like, how much longer this is going, they're coming out with this, like, plan of phase one and phase two and phase three whatever i mean is this the precedent we're setting now so like if if something is going around some sort of virus or disease or whatever and potentially sixty thousand people could die this is the the procedure now we just lock down the country and it's a a huge giveaway like the the biggest heist in american history six trillion dollars turned over to the the banks and wall street and uh, government's got like just stealing trillions of dollars from us while giving us like like some crumbs off of the table this is what we're going to do or what's the guiding principle on this like 50,000 people are going to die we just let that happen but if it gets to 60 then we have to shut everything down or 40,000 when does it start when does it stop we we make these judgments all the time you know like we we could have we could drastically reduce the amount of deaths if we made the speed limit 5 miles per hour Nobody could go if every car, like not even the speed limit, like if it was impossible, if you were not allowed to make a car that went faster than five miles per hour, and we all just drove around at a snail's pace, there'd be almost nobody dying in car accidents. Okay, but think about what that would do to everyone's standard of living, our lifestyle. Like far more people would probably die from not being able to get things or get to where they need to go than the lives that are lost in car accidents. So we, we make judgments, whether you want to admit it or not, we, we put a value on the number of lives that we are willing to risk. There's a risk-reward there. And we put dollar amounts on people's lives. If you don't think your life has a dollar amount attached to it, you absolutely do. Just ask an actuary or you know one of these uh, insurance companies that, that calculate how much a, a human life is worth. That that stuff is done every day. So, um, you know, these are things that we have to confront. And you know, you can say that well, o- the only reason it's going to be thirty or sixty thousand people now is because of this quarantine and because we shut everything down. Maybe. Maybe, but you don't know that, do you? And that's what makes this so difficult because we didn't have like a nuanced position. Uh, hang on. Let your, left your food at the lobby. I was going to put it at your door, but the neighbor refused to let me through. God. <laughs> Sorry, I just got a text from the delivery guy. Fan-fucking-tastic. Some goddamn hall monitor... Won't let my food up, so now I gotta go down and get it. Oh my god! Imagine being that person. These fucking Karen. Hang on. I mean, this will be instantaneous to you guys, but I gotta go downstairs and get my lunch. Okay, I'm back. Unbelievable. Unfucking believable. Uh, I go through all of these hoops to get my food delivered to my door, avoiding every doorman schedule I could think of, and uh, some idiot. Some Karen in my building won't let the delivery guy through. What the fuck is wrong with people? What is going on? 
You, you can't let the delivery guy bring the food to my door. Like, what do you think is going to happen here? What do, you, what do you think? This is a, a scam that he just goes around with a, a bunch of food or a bunch of boxes that look like food so he, he can gain entry into buildings? Or what do you think you're, you're stopping here? Now I got to go down there and get it. And by the way, I had an interaction with somebody in the elevator. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. These fucking Karens, man. You guys are destroying the world. Destroying it. Calling the cops on people because they're outside, because they're living their lives, because they dare to open their business and try to serve things to people? What the hell is wrong with you? Ugh, these are the worst goddamn people. Why doesn't the virus take these idiots out? Fuck's sake. Oh, sorry, you can't come up. Who the fuck are you, man? You don't control the building. Ugh, man, Un unreal. I, I just can't imagine being one of those people. One of these Karens. I want to talk to the manager. No, oh, there's somebody out in the park. They're they're playing catch with their kid. You better come get them. You better you better come throw them in a cage because because what? What are you afraid of, Karen? You're sitting you're 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 sitting looking at things through your living room window. Or you're on your balcony, just ratting people out. Uh, Nazi sympathizers. Give me a fucking break. What are you afraid of? You're not going out there. You're, you're not going out to the park. So who cares? Who cares if they're out there? You're inside. You're afraid to go outside? Fine. Stay inside. Let other people live their lives. What is that impulse? That impulse to just control people? God, go fuck yourselves. Unbelievable. I, I just don't get it. I just don't get what they're trying to accomplish here. What they think they're doing for society. You think you're really making the world a better place? You think you're single-handedly going to, to put an end to the coronavirus by ratting people out for walking down the street? For breaking quarantine? Oh, yeah, give yourselves a huge collective pat on the back. You fucking worthless people. Oh, you are the scum of the earth. You are like one rung above meter maids. Yeah, why don't you just go start writing parking tickets while you're at it, Karen? Put the phone down for a little bit. See if there's anybody that's parked illegally on the street. And then maybe you could uh, alert the cops to that, too. Jesus Christ. You're the person that reminds the teacher that there was a homework assignment that they forgot to collect at the end of class. You idiots. Just, oh, sorry. <laughs> I really hate it when I have to go pick up my food, if you guys can't uh, tell. <laughs> I just don't get it. I don't get these people. These are the same people that, like, they're all upset about uh, people that, aren't, that don't like to mandatory uh, vaccinate their kids. It's like, okay, but who cares, right? You have the vaccination. Your kids are vaccinated. So what difference does it make if there are people running around that aren't vaccinated? You've got the vaccination. So what are you worried about? What are you worried about? And what is this idiot in my building worried about? The, the, the food guy. So he comes up and he drops the food at my door and then he leaves. Oh, what's so bad about that? Oh, he's going to touch the elevator buttons? Well, everyone's touching these elevator buttons. Uh, so what? So what? Wash your hands after you use the elevator. Don't force everyone in the building to now go use the elevator more often than they would normally do it. This is just, oh, God, it's so stupid. 
everybody's so stupid. And this person thinks he's doing the God, he's doing the Lord's work over here. Yeah, yeah, St. Andrew, doing the Lord's work, making sure that nobody gets their food delivered. Thank you very much. Oh, no, no, that goes against the uh, company policy. That goes against our new condo association rules for the pandemic. I can't let you into the building. No, 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 no. That would just be too convenient for everybody. This poor guy's just trying to do his goddamn job. I'm just trying to get some fucking food delivered. And no, no, can't have that. Can't have that. Oh, my God. They're, they're just such idiots. These, oh, lemmings. These authoritarian lemmings just crawl into a hole and die for the sake of humanity. Anyway, what the hell was I talking about? Um, oh, yeah. So our reaction to this, you know, we don't know whether or not we, we did the right thing. We'll never know because we're not going to have some sort of parallel universe where we can compare the results of, of people who... Uh, or, or, you know, if we were to not shut everything down or if we were to take a more nuanced approach to this, you know, we do have some uh, test cases that there are some countries that are not shutting everything down. Is it Sweden? I think is one of them. Um, one of those Nordic countries didn't shut everything down. So in Hong Kong, I think, has been more lax with things. I, I don't know. There's definitely countries that are not treating it the same way we are. Japan is another one. Although Japan, see, Japan has this culture already where if you were sick, if you had a cold or something like that, you would put one of these masks on before you went outside. It was like a common courtesy in their culture. So they were already kind of doing this sort of stuff. And that's a function of, you know, Japan being a, a place that doesn't have a lot of real estate, right? They always have to build up instead of out. And so they have a ton of people that are like living on top of each other. And and so uh, their culture developed this thing where, you know, it, it's courteous and it's polite to put a mask on when you're sick so you don't spread it around. Um, but they're not shutting everything down. But we're never going to know. We're never going to know if what we did was the right thing to do, if this was worth it. If we didn't do this, would we have a million people dying or would we have maybe even less people die? I don't know. I don't know. There's really no way of determining it, but it, it does look like if we look at the numbers now, and I, I, I saw another article out, out uh, yesterday that it, there, the, uh, one study came, came to the conclusion that this is like 40 to 80 times more prevalent than we thought it was. Like 40 to 80 times more people had the, had the coronavirus and showed no symptoms. They were asymptomatic than, we, than they initially thought. So it's like this is not nearly as deadly as we thought it was going to be. And if you're under the age of like 50 or something like that and you don't have an underlying condition, you're healthy, this is really not a big deal. It really isn't. A very, very small percentage of the people that have died from complications from this have been young. It's like less than one one hundredth of a percent. Something like that. I don't know. Don't quote me exactly on these numbers, but you get the idea. So maybe if we had taken a more nuanced approach to this, like the people that are in high risk group, high risk groups, the older, older people, people with diabetes and things like that. Yeah. You shelter in place. The rest of us will go on living our lives and, you know, we'll keep the economy going. We'll keep uh, food supply and, and the, the structure of production, the chain of, uh, of production supply. Keep that going. 
and you know maybe we'll build up this herd uh immunity to it who knows it's just when you ha- when you don't have um the ability to take a more nuanced approach to things when you have this giant federal leviathan government that just has a hammer and they have one solution it's always going to be one size fits all like this is the law of the land we all have to do this you run into these sorts of problems and it's far more dangerous if they end up getting something wrong, like if their model is wrong or their projections are way off, which appears to be the case. These projections are looking to be way off. And we only had this one central authority, so their projections are, are what the plan is based off of, right? And we applied it to everyone. A blanket, this, this blanket apparatus, just everybody has to do this. And, you know, instead of a more smaller, localized uh, responses that may have been more appropriate given their individual situations. So, you know, the, this whole thing, it, it in my mind, like there's a lot of people, a lot of these low IQ midwits are around the interwebs that are talking about how this is the nail in the coffin for libertarianism. And this just shows that libertarianism can't, can't possibly work or something like that. And I've, I've sort of addressed this on previous episodes, but to me, it, it, it indicates the exact opposite. It indicates the exact opposite. I mean, I, I see failures of government on a massive scale all around. And how much longer can they keep people? Everyone has to be getting restless, right? And some have been quarantined longer than others, but you know, the weather's going to get nice. It's going to be summer in Chicago. You can bet your ass I'm not staying inside for the three months of the year where it's actually going to be nice around here. Absolutely not. Like, I'm going outside, and you're going to have to arrest me, I guess. I don't know. But if this turns out to be, like, just a bad flu season, and I know it's it's so taboo to talk about this and to compare it to the flu, uh, you know, if it turns out to be on a scale of uh, similar to a bad flu season where like that number of people die, where we just take that lockstep like we do every year. We just accept the fact that a certain number of people are going to die of the flu. If it turns out to be something like that, how are they going to get us to comply with this again? And how are we going to know when it's, when it's appropriate to do this, when it's not, if it ever is? Because, you know, I may be willing to comply this time, and I am voluntarily complying with all of their ridiculous things, which turned out to be a a pretty big waste of time, possibly. I don't know. But for the most part, the reason I do it is because I I don't want to endanger somebody else. That, That is my thought process here. Like, I, you know, I could get this and chances are I'm going to be fine. I, I may already have already had it. You never know. You could just be asymptomatic. But my concern would be that I put somebody else in jeopardy who may be at a higher risk or had one of these who is older or had an underlying condition or something like that. And I I personally did not want to live with that on my conscience. So I decided to voluntarily comply. And, And a lot of that had to do with the fact that the government had mismanaged everything so badly up to this point that if we didn't, self-quarantine. I mean, it basically comes down to the fact that because the government mismanaged everything so badly on a global scale, on a local scale, 
from the very beginning of this, you know, go back and listen to the episode where I talked about all the, the, the complications with the CDC and the FDA and everything like that and how China, I mean, the list goes on and on. But because they managed mismanaged everything so badly that if I don't comply, if I decide to, to break quarantine, a lot of people who might not have to suffer will end up suffering. But after this, I mean, that's it. it. It's over for you. You no longer get to control health care. You no longer get to determine how many hospitals we have, how many beds we have in hospitals, what, what type of masks are acceptable, which tests are acceptable, which tests meet your standards that some bureaucrat came up with. I mean, at what point? Do we look government in the eye and say, that's it? You're done. You've lost that privilege. You've lost the privilege to control this. You've done such a terrible job that you're fired. You're done. That's it. You've lost the privilege to control the money supply after you've bailed out the banks and Wall Street and, and all of your buddies with trillions of dollars again like you did in 2008 when that was supposed to be the end of the world. That's it. You, you can't, the Federal Reserve, you've lost the uh, privilege of managing the money supply. You no longer get to enjoy that monopoly so that every time something goes wrong, you can rob us, rob from us, and bail out all your banker buddies. Like you're, you're, that's it. It's over. It's over for you. I mean, seriously, at what point? Do we start to take these things back from government control? How badly do they have to screw something up before we take back control of our lives? These are the questions we need to be asking ourselves. And I'm not saying that we all have to become anarchists overnight. I don't expect that at all. But like I was talking about at the top of the show, we're not seeing any government rolled back whatsoever. They're not cutting anything. No, no, we're the ones that have to cut. We have to sacrifice. We have to go without. But what about them? Why not them? Why are we taking this from them? This whole idea, like they're supposed to work for us, right? And I know it may make you feel uncomfortable. Like It may make you feel comfort and safe to tell yourself, that, well, it's just because the Democrats have control of this, or it's because the Republicans have control of that, or if the Democrats weren't blocking Trump's agenda, none of this would have happened, and whatever. I mean, not only is that not true, and this is just the nature of any government, it doesn't matter who's controlling it, but even if it was true, even if that was true, and all the people who are, are really upset with people that supported Trump because Trump's the reason this virus is spreading out of control or, or got to this point. And all the people who are pointing fingers at the Democrats for blocking Trump's border agenda and, and shutting down China and everything like that. Even if that's true, it's irrelevant. It's all irrelevant because your party, whichever one you wholeheartedly support, you no matter what, Right? If you're going to vote that party line, regardless of what bumbling idiot they put up there as, as the, your representative, you're never always going to be in control. A at some point, the other party's going to get control over all of the authority that you've been building up for your party, 
for your guys. And if you look at history, we know this to be true. It's it's about, you know, once you have back-to-back terms from a Republican or a Democrat, that pendulum tends to swing back the other way. The problem is all of the um, abuses, uh, uh, abuses of authority, all of the um, violations of the Constitution, all of these executive orders, none of this, uh, like, ever really gets rolled back in any significant way. Yeah, they'll, they'll trim around the edges a little bit. Trump's done a little deregulation, whatever. But the Democrats are, are fighting him every step of the way on that. And once they get control, if, if Trump doesn't win this time around, which, you know, there's a very good chance of that happening, then, then it, you know, they'll just go gangbusters again. And then the pendulum will swing back and Republicans will go gangbusters in their direction. But the point is, at any given time, your party's not going to have control. So why risk having the other evil party have control over everything when something like this, like this virus, could break out at any given moment in time? Then what are you going to do? Like, it doesn't matter. All of the things that you do, if they can all just be screwed up by the other party when they're in control, what's the point of any of this? Because the second the Republicans get into office, well, now all bets are off, right? Because all the Democrats, they would have had this totally under control. I'm, I'm sure Black Jesus, if he had a third term, like th- this wouldn't have even been a thing. Yeah, no problem, the coronavirus. But, you know, Black Jesus can't be president forever. So then what? You, you, you see how ridiculous this all is? Why, why let them control huge, huge portions of our lives if... You know, every four to eight years, that control gets into the hands of the evil guys, the the evil party, literally Hitler or literally like Mao Zedong. Why, Why would we do that? Why not just get rid of their monopoly over all of these aspects of our lives? Why not take back control of these things and let people make voluntary decisions based on what's important to them? And that's how they determine it. That's how we determine how things like healthcare function, how we produce the, the personal protection equipment and, and how that's acceptable. Like, why, why don't we just leave that up to everyday people, individuals, to determine what they want, what they want that to look like, instead of one big bumbling bureaucracy that's inevitably going to screw it up? Because like I said before, I mean... The, the idea that this is some libertarian failure, that we have these like unregulated free markets and there's, there's no like uh, government intervention in our lives or anything, that, and um, you know, we just don't have a response to this. I mean, that is nonsense. This is a perfect, this is a perfect storm, uh, uh, just a perfect storm of government failures on a massive scale. I mean, the economy was already tinkering on the brink of collapse. We've had phony markets that have been propped up by a government monetary policy and, and Fed intervention. We have people living paycheck to paycheck who are far more vulnerable to this sort of quarantine situation than they otherwise would be absent all of these government policies. 
And, you know, I've talked about the role of personal responsibility and all that, how we as individuals have to look in the mirror and take some responsibility for where we are in our lives and the fact that we can't survive a week or two without a paycheck. A lot of that is on you. And, and you, have to, you have to admit to yourself that that is your fault. It, 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 you, you need to say, it's my fault. And, and that can be liberating if you realize that you are in control of your destiny. But there are also all of these government incentives that are so perverse that, they, that anybody who may be inclined to take that sort of personal responsibility, they're, they're far more incentivized to, to do the reckless thing, to, to not save anything for a rainy day. Because, look, the government's just going to bail you out. All right? So we, we spend, 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 spend. That's all they talk about. That's all they teach you how to do is spend money. They never teach you how to save it or how to invest it or anything like that. And, and they, because they think spending grows the economy, all that Keynesian nonsense, right? Well, what are we going to do here? I mean, every time something goes bad, the government wants you to spend money. But you, they've already got you spending every penny that you have, and they, they take, you know, tw- listen to the last episode I did, 20 to 50% of what you're making. I mean, imagine if they just didn't do that. Imagine if they didn't rob from your paycheck every single time you got paid and take a, a portion of every transaction that you make every single time, whether or not you're, you're buying something, selling something, you earn something. They're, they're always stealing it from you. So people are far more vulnerable to any sort of problems that, that may come about. They're bailing out the, the giant banks and corporations. That, that only makes them bigger. This too-big-to-fail thing. That's all a government creation. Rules and regulations make the, it far more easy for big corporations, these giant companies to shield themselves from competition and to lobby the government to to make the like who do you think makes all these rules and regulations it's the big co- the big companies the corporations they they literally ask like general electric how should we uh, structure this legislation and they get their lobbyists to to put things in the into the thing that that gives them a competitive edge they do this over and over again thousands of times every year all right, and then you know all the debt that they've saddled us with. This whole economy was a disaster going into this, and it just gets exacerbated by any problem. Healthcare—I mean, healthcare is a disaster precisely because of all this government. And I've—I've I've run down some of the issues with just health insurance in general. But you know, all these people are losing their jobs now. And they, they're, they're going to lose their health insurance. Well, why, it, why do we get our health insurance through our jobs? Does anybody ever think of that? Because that's, we don't get any of our other insurance through our jobs. I don't get car insurance through my job. I don't get my home, homeowner's insurance through my job. Uh, nothing. So why health insurance? Well, oh, oh it's the tax code. It's because it, it, it makes sense from a tax perspective you get that money tax-free if, if it goes towards uh, health insurance. And the other thing is that it was part of the wage and price controls that the government instilled it during World War II. So it, it, you weren't allowed to pay your employees more than X number of dollars, but you could give them fringe benefits like health insurance. And so that that's where that all started. It was like, okay, I can only pay you like 30 grand a year, but I can also give you like $10,000 a year worth of health care, uh, health insurance. So 
that's how it originally got um, attached to to your employment, and then it gets it gets worked into the tax code, and now here we are. Now people that lose their job, they lose their health insurance. Oh, okay, one hundred percent government's fault. Uh, once again, the CDC, the FDA. I mean, the masks. You wonder why we're we're we have a shortage of masks and ventilators. All of these things are regulated medical devices. There's thousands of pages of regulation around them. You need to get FDA approval, and that takes years. And even when they fast track it, it's like, okay, nine months later, you can get a mask made. It's just like the test, the same thing. You know, I did a whole episode on all this. But why don't we have enough hospitals? Why don't we have enough hospital beds? Oh, yeah, it turns out like if you want to build a hospital, you have to get a certificate of need to show that there's a need for your hospital in that area. And, oh, who's on the board that, that certifies the certificate of need? Yeah, it's all the other heads of the hospitals in the area. I mean, this is so ridiculous, this whole system that we've set up. It's like if, if, I, had, um, if I had like a restaurant, right, and I, you, you wanted to start a restaurant in my neighborhood and you had to come to me to get permission to open up my, my, your competing restaurant. And you had to show that there was a need for it. And I could just be like, oh, no, I got this covered. I got this area covered with my restaurant. Like, of course, that's going to lead to a shortage. How many hospital beds do we need in a hospital? I don't know. How many hospitals do we need in a given area? I have no idea. I know that it would be more. I know that it would be more than we have right now because you wouldn't have to produce this certificate of need to, to prove that it was necessary. You would just do it, and if there was a need for it, you would be in business and you would be earning profits, and if there wasn't a need for it, then you would go out of business. That's how the market handles these things, and that's why it's such a better system. I mean, look at all of the failure just surrounding this one issue, and it should be obvious that whatever we're doing is not the right approach regardless of how many people end up dying for this if it's more than they thought if it's less than they thought just think about what's happening here and just look at like just look at their incentives i mean donald trump is more concerned with getting reelected than anything else he's he's focused on the stock market Okay, you know, the stock market's had a nice little uh, retrace here. We, we've come up about a little over 50% from uh, where we were uh, about a month ago. Okay, good for him. Everybody else, the, there's still 22 million people out of work. But, you know, he, he wants to get the economy back going again. But he, it's just because he's concerned about getting reelected. And the longer this goes on, the, the worse his chances of reelection get. So even their incentives don't line up with necessarily with what's best for the American people. I mean, this is just such a bad way of doing things. And that doesn't mean you have to become an anarchist overnight. I'm not asking anybody to do that. How about if we just start rolling this back a little bit? Maybe we take back health care. Maybe we take back huge portions of the economy. Maybe we uh, audit the Federal Reserve, something like that. Can we at least start chipping away at this and getting and just starting to turn this ship around? For the love of God, I mean, it's way too big. They have way too much control. And that's, you know, like I said, one of the biggest problems is that there's no nuance. There's no, it's just a giant hammer. And one of the biggest problems with this leftist ideology in particular, where they want the government to control everything, this idea that we're going to have this huge government 
and they will take care of everybody by robbing from the rich and giving to the poor. One of the problems with that, other than the fact that it's that giant hammer with no nuance, is that once you create that apparatus that has that much power, everybody, everybody and their mother is going to be lobbying for it, is going to be lobbying for political influence. Because if, if you don't, you know that your competitor will. And that puts you at a, a very big disadvantage. And, you know, politicians are human beings. They are not saints. I, I don't know anybody that really believes that, but they will at least regurgitate that, for, that idea from time to time, that they're somehow above all of this. And, you know, they're just working. They're doing it for the country, and they don't care about profits over people like those evil corporations do and all that stuff, right? Well, they're taking these bribes left and right. Because they're people, and that's what people do. They act in their own self-interest. They take these bribes from these big corporations, and then they end up robbing from the poor, and they give that money to the rich and the politically connected. The irony in all of this, everything that the left is railing about, income inequality, the rich get richer, the poor get poor, that is all a function of the government policies that they advocate for. Of the government, the type of government that they advocate for inevitably leads to that. This is not a failure of the free markets. This is not a failure of libertarianism. This is not late-stage capitalism, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez likes to say. This is late-stage government. This is late-stage fascism, where the companies are, are lobbying the government because the government wields all of this power. They control basically every aspect of our lives. And they're, they're getting that, that political influence. The politicians get rich. The politically connected get rich. It, it funnels all of this money to the, the giant big corporations who are already giant and big in the first place, right? Now they're even bigger. And, and the rich people on Wall Street that have been taking all these risks that, that should be paying the piper right now, well, they get bailed out. And who's doing the bailing? It's the poor and the middle class every single time. Every single time, how much longer are we going to continue to do this before somebody looks at this and draws the correct conclusion that this is not late-stage capitalism, this is not a failure of libertarianism, this is clearly a failure of government, the very government that you are all advocating for. I mean, we, you, we all need to wake up from this and remove the wool that's been pulled over our eyes. It's not a red team, blue team thing. This is what happens when you don't have uh, a limited government. And, and this idea that the government's going to limit itself after we give it all this power is, is I mean, it's been proven patently false. Just look at what happened with the United States of America. This was an experiment. It has clearly failed. So we, we need to, at the very least, start taking drastic cuts to this thing before it does us in once and for all. All right, I'm going to wrap there, guys. Have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Try to have some fun. I don't know exactly you know, what you're allowed to do anymore or how you go about doing that, but figure out something to do to maintain your sanity and um, try not to let these Karens get your Irish up too much. <laughs> Follow me on Twitter at Pedal Fiction. You can check out the uh, website, pedalingfictionpodcast.com, if you want to become a supporting member of the show and join our weekly newsletter mailing list. And before this weekend is over, I will have loaded some uh, YouTube 
clips onto the YouTube channel so you guys can uh, check that out and maybe start throwing those around the interwebs as well. It, it's taken me a long time to go back through prior episodes and get clips out. Once I sort of get caught up, I'll be able to just pull like one or two um, fantastic clips from the, the most recent episode and drop those. And it should be a lot easier to, to maintain going forward. It's just going back through. Uh, I've done like 75, 80 shows, something like that. So it's uh, we're starting, we're rolling along a little bit, almost at a hundred. And um, anyway, if you guys can do all that for me, I will be back next week with a brand new episode for you. And until then, just remember to keep on peddling that so-called fiction.